1: So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Ravs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate
2: International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other.
3: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk About Myths, baby. And it is totally growing on me singing it like that. My God, it's a lot more fun. I don't know why I didn't do it from the beginning. It's crazy, really. This is the podcast where I live Olive lover, myth fiend, possessor of an absolutely useless BA in classical civilizations, tell you all about the wonders of ancient Greek mythology. The ancient mythological world itself. What a wonderful world it is. Sorry this episode is a bit late. Frankly, I've got a lot going on right now. Also, there won't be a mini-myth this week for the same reason. Catalog a lot going on. But I'm here to present you with a super fun myth to tide you over. No more mythological yearning for the nerds out there. Who am I kidding? I'm always yearning for mythology, says the woman who answered a number of random mythological questions from friends over the past couple of days. I'm making a name for myself as a super nerd, and I'm totally okay with that. This is episode six. Don't piss off moms and don't eat the pomegranate. Important life lessons. Today we're taking a trip to the Underworld with the story of Hades, Persephone, and Demeter. And it is through Persephone that we will learn why you shouldn't eat things strangers hand you in the Underworld. Take note, friends. I know this is something you're all planning to do in the very near future, but please, refrain. Now Hades, as we learned in the first episode of the podcast, is the god of the Underworld, the dead, and riches. All the good stuff. He's a super happy dude. Hades is one of the Olympians, though he's the only one who resides outside of Mount Olympus. He lives in the underworld. He is, of course, the brother of Zeus, Poseidon, Hera, Hestia, and Demeter. Kind of got the short end of the stick when he, Zeus, and Poseidon divvied up the realms. I don't know that Hades was ever quite content with where he ended up. I don't know that anyone picks that for their life. Now let me just make a clarification, Hades is the god, he's not the place. I say this because I like to think most, if not all, of my listeners have seen the movie Bring It On, because why wouldn't you have? In any case, the scene where Torrance drops the spirit stick and the rando angry cheerleader tells her she's going to Hades has always really bothered me. So, you know, just Bring It On is not a reliable source for mythological information, just FYI. The underworld, being the actual location, is also known as Erebos. And it's a lovely place. Very lively and joyful. Lots of darkness and fire. You know the drill. There are five rivers that run through it. We've all heard of the River Styx. It's the river of hatred. The Asheron is the river of pain. Typically, this is the river that the famous ferryman Charon brings you across once you've died. It's why the ancient Greeks buried many of their dead with coins on their eyes, so that they could pay Charon the fairy toll. Dying it free, you know? Charon is a cool guy. He's just horribly filthy, utterly disgusting, and he has eyes like jets of fire, a pretty mangy beard, and a dirty old cloak. Definitely the dude I want greeting me when I die. The Lethe is the river of forgetfulness. It's associated with a goddess of the same name. She's the goddess of forgetfulness and oblivion. She's not particularly well known. Go figure. The the Phlegethon is a mouthful, and the river of fire. It's the river that leads to the depths of Tartarus the worst the underworld has to offer. It's supposed to be just as deep in the earth as the sky is above it. So, like, really deep. The Cocytus is the river of whaling. And Oceanus is the river that surrounds the entire world. It marks the eastern edge of the underworld. The underworld, Erebus, is the western section of the world. In case you're doing the math, Oceanus doesn't count in the five rivers because it's basically, you know... An ocean. In front of the underworld live grief, anxiety, diseases, and old age. These being the personified versions of those concepts. Again, it's a truly lovely place. The Greeks were really positive about death. Personifications of hunger, death, agony, and sleep also lived outside the entrance, so it was incredibly welcoming. On the other side live the Renaways, who are also called the Furies and who I've mentioned before. And Eris. Eris is the goddess of strife, and one of my favorites. We'll be circling back to her in other episodes for sure. She started a pretty famous war you might have heard of. Now, in addition to all these super fun personified concepts, and the not scary at all rivers, there is also a creature who guards the gates of the underworld themselves. This would be Fluffy, I mean Cerberus, the three-headed dog. Beautiful and brilliant J.K. Rowling took the character of Fluffy from Philosopher's Stone from Cerberus, which is why Fluffy guards the entrance to where the teachers hid the Philosopher's Stone, and why Hagrid says he got him from a Greek guy. And yes, I call it Philosopher's Stone because, one, I'm Canadian and that's what it's called, but also, two, I have never understood how it got changed to Sorcerer's Stone in the first place. I mean, I know America had some issues with the magic aspect of HP, but this just seems more magical. Like, didn't they want their kids knowing what philosophers were? They're pretty harmless, I would think. Typically, it's not Socrates you think of as corrupting modern youths. In any case, Cerberus, the vicious and snarling three-headed dog, guards the entrance to the underworld. This is all to say that Hades lives in a pretty appealing locale. Hades was not, though, anything resembling what we know of as the devil. He was the god of the underworld, and it was his home, but he wasn't out punishing dead people or doing anything bad to them at all, really. Hades was their host, and he was actually a pretty nice host. He also Sadly, did not have blue, fiery hair, which I think is just a disappointment. Nor did he have the guy from Scrooge stumbling around like a lunatic. I want you to know I'm making a conscious decision not to make a joke about the state of Disney's Hades today. You're welcome. Persephone is a goddess of nature and the daughter of Demeter, goddess of the harvest and general agriculture and nature. She presided over grains and the fertility of the earth. She's a nice lady. Persephone and Demeter were some of the oldest deities in Greek mythology. They predated the Olympian pantheon itself, and they may have even appeared in Linear A and B, one of the early or two of the earliest languages in ancient Greece, those I mentioned in the first Crete episode. The two are central to the eleusinian mysteries, which maybe I'll do an episode on in the future because I won't try to get into it now. It was a cult of worship and pretty massive and important in the world of Greece. Demeter was incredibly protective of Persephone, which I don't blame her because we've seen how these things typically turned out for females in ancient Greek mythology. But, unfortunately, Demeter's protective nature didn't really do much good in the end, because, yes, you guessed it, Zeus. Hades noticed Persephone one day, and he fell immediately in love with her. It's moments like these that get so romanticized in many tellings of the mythology. Perhaps less so in this particular myth, but still. like, How can you trust someone who falls that in love with a stranger that quickly? It sounds sketchy, if you ask me. Anyways, Hades fell truly madly deeply in love with Persephone, and he told his brother Zeus about his love for her. Zeus, in all his benevolent glory, permitted Hades to kidnap Persephone because he knew that Demeter would never go for it. Because that's the best reason to allow a kidnapping, when the mother won't go for it if you wanted to see the woman without having to kidnap her. A good sign for a good and happy marriage in the future, I would think. This abduction is almost always referred to as the rape of Persephone, which is just a problem in itself. The ancient Greeks, but specifically in the mythology, often conflated the term abduction and rape, which just lends itself to so many questions and problems. And yes, a lot of abductions did lead to rape, but anyway, it's just, you know, it's awful. It's awful. It's also often famously referred to as the Rape of Proserpine, because Proserpine is Persephone's Roman name. Proserpine and Persephone are two of the best names in this world, so well done, Greeks and Romans. Now, not only did Zeus permit this kidnapping, he even helps Hades trick Persephone.
2: Happy International Women's Day!
3: One day, Persephone is hanging out and playing with her friends, the Nereids and the Naiads. Nereids, who I've mentioned before, are sea nymphs, and Naiads are freshwater nymphs of rivers and streams and lakes. So there, Persephone is just chilling with her friends, having a super nice time, but she gets distracted. She sees a beautiful flower off a ways away from where they're hanging out by the water, and she wants to examine it closer. She asked her friends to join her. Just check out that banging flower, I like to think she said. But they couldn't join her. See, they couldn't leave the water they were in, because that's a thing about Nereids and naiads in this particular myth, and I can't actually say that it's a rule that definitively exists in other myths, but here it is. So Persephone figures she's fine, she can leave them to check out this bangin' flower, and she dances off towards it. But this flower has been planted by Gaia, upon request by shitty Zeus. Persephone gets to the flower, and she tries to pick it. But it's sticking in the earth, like, really hard. And it drains all her energy trying to grab it, because magic. Finally, she pulls it from the earth. But suddenly, the tiny hole that she's pulled it from opens up into this massive chasm. And Hades grabs her and drags her into the underworld. She screams out for her mother, but it's too late. And she's already been brought into the underworld with her new betrothed Hades. That's just the most romantic story in the world, don't you think? Not like... Awfully troubling and weird and totally disgusting, or anything. Demeter realizes her daughter is missing and searches the earth endlessly. But Persephone is no longer in the earthly realm, so Demeter is unable to find her. During this time in her grief, she stops the earth from producing any plants. Everything stops growing because Demeter is distracted and she's not in any place to nurture anything. Now Helios, who you'll remember from last week's mini-myth, where he quite stupidly let his son drive his fire chariot to the entirely not surprising destruction of both the Earth and his son. Anyway, Helios has been watching Demeter search high and low because he can see all from his somehow now rebuilt chariot, and he tells Demeter what happened. Normally, there would have been countless others to tell Demeter what happened. I mean, Hades didn't exactly hide it, but shitty old Zeus had sanctioned the kidnapping, so he he had also done his best to keep Demeter from finding out who had taken her daughter, and let alone where. Demeter wanders the world, completely inconsolable. She disguises herself as an old mortal so that she can avoid the Olympians, who she's currently feeling pretty bitter about. I mean, No one can find her daughter? Really? Aren't you all gods? So finally she comes to Elusius, where King Kellius rules. She sits down by the maiden wall in the town, resting under the shade of an olive tree. Multi-purpose those magnificent things. Side note, olives are the world's best thing, and yes, I do have them tattooed on me because I love them, Okay. While grieving at the maiden wall, and still disguised as an elderly mortal, the daughters of King Kellius come by Demeter for water. They find her, and they ask her if she's alright. Demeter tells them a story about being a refugee, and they want to help. They want to help refugees. Demeter asks them if they know of any work she might do, and they tell her of a woman who has just had a son and who would probably really love some help with him at this young age. Demeter follows them, and they bring her to this woman. She's named Matanera. Matanera greets Demeter and is immediately trusting of her. You know, there's just something about this mysterious old woman. Her godliness is just showing through. Demeter helps Matanera with her son, Demifuan, for months and months. And during this time, the earth is still not letting anything grow. Demeter, while she's found something to take up the time, is still grieving. She comes to love this boy, though, even if she can't stop her grief over her daughter. She feeds him ambrosia, the drink of the gods, and buries him in the coals of the fire late at night. Now, that sounds super sketchy and weird, but the combination of the two is a ritual to make the kid immortal, so actually it's really nice of her. Thing is, though, it's not just nowadays that this seems super weird and dangerous. It also seemed super weird and dangerous back then. Matanera comes upon Demeter doing this one night and flips her shit. Rightly so. Demeter kind of loses it, and she starts yelling. She calls everyone fools, saying she was just trying to make him immortal and now he'll be totally normal except that he was nursed by her, a goddess. And don't you know I'm a fucking goddess and you should be fucking worshipping me? She takes it a bit far. She commands the people of Eleusis to build her a temple. This is where those mysteries that I'll maybe cover in a future episode come in. At this point though, Demeter's even more angry, both at Matanera and the women in Eleusis, and she still hasn't found Persephone. So the lack of production of the earth just keeps getting worse. It's making nothing. And this is where it gets serious because now that the like the earth is not producing anything at all and everyone's fucked. And because no one can grow any food, that means they also don't have anything extra to sacrifice to the gods. So, of course, now Zeus is concerned. After months of this, with people on earth pleading with Zeus to do something so they can, you know, eat, and they're totally unable to give him their usual offerings, and so now he finally gives in. Because if it's not clear, Zeus finds his brother's rapist tendencies more important than the people he's supposed to be ruling over being able to eat. It's only the lack of gifts for himself that finally puts it over the edge. He's got awesome priorities, that Zeus. First though, he tries to get Demeter to come around without him having to tell Hades he has to give up Persephone, cause again, he's chill. He tries to flatter Demeter into coming back to Mount Olympus and allowing the earth to grow again, but Demeter is strong and badass and she says, fuck that, I won't do anything until I have my daughter back, dick. Finally, Zeus forces Hades to give up Persephone. Shitty Hades obliges his shitty brother, but first, he offers Persephone something to eat. He's got a pomegranate, and he offers her some of its tasty, tasty seeds. Now, Persephone's hungry, because who the fuck wouldn't be at this point? And to clarify, this would be the first piece of food she's eaten since Hades took her down there, so I'd say she's pretty famished. And of course, he only offers her a few pomegranate seeds, because that's super filling. Good grief. So Hades frees Persephone, and Hermes, cute old messenger god, brings her back to the land of the living. Hermes is one of the few characters that can easily travel between the underworld and the standard world, because he uses his cute little winged sandals. It's adorable. Anyway, my appreciation of Hermes' cuteness aside, he's brought Persephone back to the real world, and man or she and Demeter thrilled. Yahoo! What a wonderful thing to happen. It's almost as if you wouldn't expect something so good and lucky to happen to two women. Almost as if it were totally impossible for women to get what they want without, when it's at the expense of men. Almost, yeah, you guessed it, there's a trick. See, as it turns out, if you're a standard non-Hades human or god, you can't eat anything in the underworld. There's some inexplicable magic reason why this is the case, and I won't try hard enough to figure it out, but the point is it's a thing. Because Persephone tasted food in the underworld, she's obliged to spend a third of every year living with Hades in the underworld as his queen. Because men are awesome, and why wouldn't you want a wife that you have to magically force to be your wife? Persephone must now spend the winter months in the underworld as Hades' queen, but when spring comes she can return to her mother in the upper world, living happily as if she's not in a really fucking awful situation like 33.33% of the year. The time Persephone spends with her mother versus the time she spends with her icky husband represent the harvest seasons. Not necessarily the seasons themselves, though the myth is often interpreted broadly as establishing seasons as a whole, but it really just refers to the harvest and when things would or would not grow. Because when Persephone is down in the underworld with Hades, Demeter is too distraught and she won't let anything grow, and so that's winter. And that, my friends, is the origin of Hades and Persephone, and why we have winter lacking harvest, and why there's lots of good harvest, and other times I'm not a farmer, I don't know the details, but that's why. And here is also where I give you another major art recommendation. So the same artist, Bernini, that sculpted one of the most beautiful pieces of artwork on this whole planet Apollo and Daphne it's that's the one I talked about in that mini myth and also I posted it on Instagram if you haven't looked at it what have you been doing so Bernini also sculpted a piece called the rape of proserpine proserpine because he was Italian and it is unreal arguably more so than Apollo and Daphne it's fucking it's totally insane this is a piece of marble that's crafted in such detail that you can see Pluto that's the Roman name for Hades. I'm a purist. You can see Pluto's fingers pressing into Proserpine's soft flesh. Like her thigh is pressed in and the flesh is pressing out like between his fingers. Where his hands are stretched out grabbing her. And it, I nothing looks more real. Like I can't fully express to you how unbelievable that piece is. I just remember staring at it. Like Jaw my knees. Just Google it, okay? Also, I'll post it, obviously, because much like Apollo and Daphne, I obviously snuck a sneaky pic of that too when I was at the Borghese Gallery where you're not allowed to take photos, which is crazy. I'm nothing if not a very geeky rebel. I also just want to point out that uh, just to me and to me alone, today's episode... Feels particularly poignant, uh, spending it in the underworld with you because my apartment is actually a zillion degrees. A zillion? I. I. I have no words. It's like 90 degrees Fahrenheit, so says the thermometer in my apartment and that makes me feel really good about my life and I'm definitely not just sweating all over the place and why did I move to Vancouver again it's supposed to be cooler out here you guys climate change is messing with my life I swear to god it should not be as hot in Vancouver as Toronto that's why I moved and that was a a little personal tidbit for you enjoy this is me talking to myself thank you everyone for listening i Love it. It's so fun for me to hear from you and to just see that it's being listened to. Um, You can find the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play and everywhere. You can find me on all social medias. I'm Myths Baby, basically everywhere. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, website. Website doesn't have much on it yet, but I'm thinking I'm going to uh, do a bit of configuring to the myths I've told the transcripts of them and then post those as uh, written myths on the website so they can be revisited or read by people who don't listen to the podcast though I don't know why they would find the website at all thank you again please rate and review and subscribe makes a huge difference and reach out if you want to chat if you want to suggest a myth I have a big list of upcoming ones but you know I can always take suggestions thank you again my name is Liv, and I absolutely love this shit.
0: Residents at Brightview senior living communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living.
5: And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit biotoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.
2: Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day?